and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, welcome to a special edition of the Cookie Pod. We're recording on a Sunday for the very first time, mixing it up a bit. So, lads, we'll start with the Super Sunday today. We'll start with the the latest game because it's fresh in our mind. We'll start with Chelsea versus Spurs. Stan, a game of two halves, as me and you were discussing off mic. Yeah, um, definitely a game of two halves. Chelsea obviously had the better of the half that they dominated with scoring three goals and winning. Uh, 3-0 so uh, but no I was impressed with Spurs in the first half I thought they had Chelsea you know pinned back pretty well Uh, Neville mentioned a few times how Spurs' front line was lining up against Chelsea's back line and uh, they were struggling to get out and struggling I mean obviously they had a few chances the Mount chance where he played it to Lukaku springs to mind but I think in that first 45 minutes, Spurs edged it and, and you know we'll probably be annoyed that they didn't score when you know in the moments when they were on top but um yeah, Chelsea came through. I mean, what did you think about it? Obviously, that little tactical tweak at half time with Kante on for Mount, maybe moving to more of a flat, like 3 5 2. Um, I mean, go on, you talk us through it anyway. The second half was all Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Like like you just said, then the tweak, I was saying it to you off mic. I just said it was good managing from Tuchel. He spotted that they pressed us high with the front three early and it caught us a, l- a little bit cold. I mean, like. I'd, I'd say the 2-0 scoreline at the time did flatter us because we scored two very quickly. But as the half went on, it just proved to be fully deserved. We got a third. Could have been five or six, genuinely, if Chelsea weren't, to quote Gary Neville, playing five-a-side football for like the last 20 minutes, which I think they were. They were just chilling, really. Just in. I, I said it to you, they were in first gear, but they went up to second gear in this game. Like I said, they're not even burying these chances yet. Like They are just... That it's not finished, put it that way. But yeah, they played well. Rudiger got a goal. Kante got a goal and Thiago Silva. So not the usual culprits that would bag for us, Jim. But they bagged anyway. I mean, Jim, we've been quite, um, I wouldn't say scathing, but critical of Nuno um, over the last couple of weeks. I mean... I mentioned that Spurs had Chelsea's number, but it was probably more of a defensive point of view in terms of stopping Chelsea rather than causing Chelsea any problems. Do you think that, I mean, it isn't, I don't want to question whether Nuno's, whether the job's too big for him because he's only had four or five games, but I, I said it off, off mic as well to resident Spurs fan Freed that Nuno's very good at stopping opposition, but whether he's good at beating them. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Do you think Spurs... Because these big games, you're the big moments. It could be the difference between getting in Europe this season, which which they want to be in. So, yeah, I think it's um, something that Spurs fans should definitely be concerned about. Um, we know Nuno's Wolves were always hard to beat, and the question was always they don't really do enough going forward, and it only takes you so far that pragmatism. And and today, I think that that lineup that Spurs put out, um, obviously had the fallen outs of Endon Bele and. He couldn't offload him on, in the summer, but he's probably one of Spurs' best midfielders, if not the most talented midfielder they've got at the club. And Celso's a good player too, and he doesn't see in the field a lot. And then you've got Kane and Son for the first time together this season, I think. Um, or maybe the second time after Son's coming back. So I think looking forward, that is the best Spurs eleven, and I think Chelsea's probably the hardest game they'll play all season. Um but again, um, another quiet day for Harry Kane. Uh, another quiet day for that Spurs attacking. That 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 would worry me, worry me most because Harry Kane, 
contributes a, a hell of a lot to that Spurs team. He has done for the past five to six seasons. And this season, he's really not got, 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 got going. And it's, he's actually looking a bit like his head's not in it almost. Even for England, his performances weren't at, weren't, haven't been great. I know he scored the goal, but for me, it should have been saved. It doesn't really reflect his performances. He's missed a few chances for Spurs already. It was last week when he didn't have a touch inside the box for the first time. It's it's not looking good. He can turn it around. He's got the quality, but it's whether Nuno's football will allow Kane the chances that, say, the Pochettino era did. Stan, obviously Jim said then about it was a quiet day for Kane, but you could also say Thiago Silva today was brilliant. And as well, Rudiger got himself on the goal sheet. Both of them got themselves on the goal sheet. And he's 37 in three days. Do you think that even, even given his age, he's still got a lot to offer this side? Definitely. Um, I think he definitely benefits from Chelsea playing uh, in a back three. Obviously, you've got somebody of his you know, football knowledge and football experience in the middle of that three with Christensen, who's, you know, um, really raised his game in the last 12, 18 months. And Rudiger, who, who you know, is a really solid defender, uh, a lot of pace in there. And, and like I say, quality today with the goal that he scored. I mean, wasn't a strike of a of a centre-back at all uh, on, on the penalty spot almost. Um, but no, Thiago Silva's, yeah, brilliant, brilliant defender. I thought, though, like I say, in the first 20 minute, half an hour, Spurs were causing them problems going one-on-one. But, you know, over time, Chelsea... Chelsea stood stood through it, got another clean sheet like they did last week. And uh, yeah, he was definitely very important in getting that. And, and, you know, Gary Neville's man of the match. He said he's never been so sure of a man of the match than, than giving it to Thiago Silva. But back-to-back three nils for Spurs, back-to-back wins and, and clean sheets for Chelsea Cup before the big game next week against Manchester City. I mean, little preview of that one, both here for your little... One minute thought about that game next week. Not looking for, not looking forward to it one bit. I'll be honest with you. Teachers <laughs> had Pep's numbers previously, and I think Chelsea got stronger and City have maybe got weaker. Um, well, I won't say got weak, but they're not playing as well as they did um, towards the back end of last season. I would definitely say uh, Chelsea just looked like a relentless winning machine that I don't see slowing down all season. Look at the bench today; it was the strongest. Some of the strongest things you'll see in the league. I know Cities is just as good. They brought, brought on De Bruyne, Foden and Maris on the weekend. But Chelsea is just as strong and it looks like it's playing more winning football. And I think the quality in between both boxes, especially if we don't get Laporte or Stones back next week, will prove... Um, will be the difference. I think we'll be speaking about that. We have no strike when they have £100 million one. I think that will be the difference. Yeah, it Quite the opposite. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I am actually looking forward to it. Just the fact that, like Jim said, momentum is a, is a big thing for us at the moment and we are riding high on it. We're Before the game today where we fluffed a few chances, but the game was basically won. We've been ruthless with our chances and so far, Tuchel has had Pep's number, like Jim said, and it's a good time to play City at the moment given the fact that you don't know what the back four is going to be. And they're coming off the back of a quite a disappointing nil-nil with Southampton that we're going to get onto a little bit later on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, looking forward to it. Good. Well, we may as well go into that then. After City six-three win of, against uh, RB Leipzig in midweek, uh, Pep Guardiola made a few comments, should we say, about um, fans going to the game, kind of inviting them to to the Etihad on on, on Saturday for the 3pm game against Saints. Do you want to just talk us through that and the fans' point of view behind it for people that maybe don't know or don't understand why fans are so riled? 
Uh, yeah. Um, well, I was at the game. Um, and what, what game it was, Angelino got sent off. There was two disallowed goals. There was six free, for God's sake. Um, and then you get home and you look at Pep's our post-match presser and he's in for BT saying that, right at the end, saying that he invites the fans to come and watch um, against Southampton because he'll need them. And I kind of think there's a, a language thing there a little bit that he just wants the support because he thinks it's going to be a hard game. But I don't know, it's not the first time he said something like this um, going into a game and it's kind of like he was... It was a little bit of a dig, I'm not going to lie, especially being there myself. It's kind of like you see you have so many games and I think the frustration in City fans lies in the fact that it's an easy job in it, the, the empty hard stuff and it's shit to take really, especially when you go to a decent amount of games and I don't even spend a percentage of the money as some season ticket holders do because um, I've got rid of my season ticket and I could imagine getting them digs every week of empty yard and stuff when you have 60 games a season we're at Wembley two or three times a year now um, you're going away people are mm. paying for football in a finance, in a credit card kind of way like monthly it's getting that expensive it's, it's gone from the working class game when it costs you a couple of quid to the weekend to like 60 games a season and you've got to finance the whole thing and then to wear that it's just it's just disappointing and um there's a guy who used to cook for us, um, who's with the supporters trust, I think it's Kevin Parker, and and then Pep double down double down on it again. And it's not the first time he's done that. I just I just think he's a bit out of touch and I don't know. I, it's hard to describe because we love Pep as City fans. I don't think there's a City fan who doesn't love Pep, but I don't think he has that relationship there with the fans that other managers have. I don't think he gets it quite as well being at big clubs like Barca and Bayern when they can get big tourist fan bases in and we can't. I think there is a bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, I mean, Cook, it's, uh, you can kind of take the banter off rival fans because, you know, we, you give it and you take it kind of thing. And I suppose if you're a City fan, you don't really care about the empty ad jibes when you're winning, you know, the Premier League title every second season. But it's worse when you hear it from not only a manager in general with, with, you know, the amount of money they have. And like Jim's already mentioned, they've got no idea the amount of money that, you know, working class fans put into, you know, following the sides all around the country and and in Europe as well. I mean, but it, it's got to be worse when you hear it from your own manager uh, in Guardiola and then for him to double down as well. I mean, do you think... <sighs> I've seen a few people murmuring that maybe this is not the end for Guardiola. We already know he's mentioned that he's going to see his two years out, but surely this wouldn't have helped too much. Cut. Can you see him leaving any earlier or anything like that? Can you see any repercussions from this or is it just going to be, you know, moving on? No, I think like Jim said, it, he's, he said this kind of thing before. So, it, I mean, it's it's not it's not alien to the fans. Like he has said it before and the fact that, he's having to encourage it. It's, it is disappointing to hear as a fan, like what Jim said, I'd be disappointed if they said, it's basically like saying, fill the stadium. If you read between the lines, that's what he's saying. And a, a club of Man City's ilk, in my opinion, regardless of the financial climate we're in, should be packing their stadium out regardless, just because they are a big club now. They are a super club. And, and I get that you play X amount of games in the season, but if you are one of these super clubs, like what they are now, they are in that ilk, they are disgusted in that, that breath, then they have to be doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% on what the actual capacity of the Etihad is. Is it, is it about 50, 
odd thousand. It's like 50, it's about 53, 55,000. Yeah, 55. Yeah, there you go, 55,000. I mean, yeah, City should definitely be, be filling that stadium. But I do agree with Jim the fact that football is becoming less and less affordable for fans and, and that definitely doesn't help. But another thing that doesn't help Man City, in all fairness to him, is the neighbours, Man United. Well, Jim, Guardiola's mentioned that the fans could have made a difference on the weekend. I mean, could having a striker had made the difference. We know that City chased Harry Kane for what seemed like the majority of the summer and then there was obviously the Ronaldo bit that we covered at the end of it. Some are saying City had one shot on target. Some are saying that they didn't have any on target, but I suppose that doesn't make a difference at all. I mean, what are your thoughts? Could a striker have made the difference? I suppose it's pretty harsh when you've scored, you know, six once this season and five twice. But, you know, what are your thoughts on the weekend's game? Um, well, like I have previously tweeted, I would have invited Manchester City strikers to score a goal if I was Guardiola and <laughs> start worrying about that. I mean, what also was a bit frustrating was Guardiola after the game saying that City had something like seven seconds to prepare for the game and they had 10 days, something, some weird quote, but it's basically an excuse that you don't really see from a manager like Guardiola. Um, he blamed that we didn't pass the ball out from the back good enough and that was going to happen when you lose a Laporte or a Stones because Laporte is he's probably the best left-footed build-up centre-back in world football and Stones is very comfortable on the ball himself. But yeah, I, I do think that we just completely missed the target in the transfer windows. No left-back is a problem defensively and no striker is a problem because even when you're not making these chances... It's easy to look at the stats and say, oh, City only had one shot on target anyway. Harry Kane wouldn't have made the difference. But the fact that you could have a number nine of the operating and making the centre-backs think about something, it's, it, it, kind of turns into an, it kind of turns into an easy day supporting, um, yeah. defending against City when they can't quite get in behind you because there's no one in that middle to go mark. There's no one who you're mm. thinking, oh, I've got to go mark Kane. You can't go and leave somebody there. And I think... Yeah. City just going all tunnel vision for Kane has has completely backfired and we laughed at Trevor Sinclair, but look how well Tammy Abraham's doing. There's so many strikers that we could have could have fell back on even for a season. You don't have yeah. to go and break the bank or someone, go and fall back on someone just for this season, challenge and then go for Haaland in the summer. Uh, I think say so. you've got an amazing team, an amazing attack, but you wouldn't say one player in that city team is clinical. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, having a striker there, maybe the reason they didn't have so many shots on target is because, like you say, there was nobody in the middle and had you had a Harry Kane, he would have made himself available to have those shots on target. But City, I think three of City's next four are Chelsea, PSG and Liverpool. So we'll we'll, we'll really see how, you know, whether the, not having that clinical striker, like Jim's already mentioned, whether that really hurts them or not with those, you know, really, really tough run of fixtures. But Cook... Southampton played well, apparently, what I'm told. I mean, Guardiola mentioned that they're a team that plays very similar to them. And, and, you know, Southampton are literally one of those teams that it wouldn't surprise you if they beat a, a top team on, on, on the day. And it also wouldn't surprise you if they lose 9-0, which we've seen them do a couple of times. But from what I understand, Southampton had the better chances in this game and, you know, none bigger than the penalty and red card that uh, Adam Armstrong thought he'd got. I don't know if you have you managed to see the video since then. I mean... Since- I, yeah, I have seen it. I've watched the I've watched match of the day since, but I was playing football myself when it happened. But mm. when I watched it back, I thought I was that not being given as a penalty because he doesn't play yeah. the ball at all, and Armstrong's running through. It should have been a penny and a red card, and the fact that 
they checked it and got it wrong is even more sickening as a Saints fan. And I think it is that, that um, it's just that clear, 100%. I think it's a penalty. Yeah. I, I think it probably was a penalty, but I think it's one of those weird ones with VAR's clear and obvious thing where because he gave it, I don't think it was a clear and obviously so wrong that they had to overturn it. But had he not given it, I don't think they would have overturned him not giving it. I think it's one of those that really could have gone either way, but they tend to stick with the original decision. Obviously, they didn't in this case, although I did think the, the red for Walker was a bit harsh, obviously, with double jeopardy. I did think that he was trying to get across Adam Armstrong and get to the ball. So I think maybe saying that he wasn't even trying to play the ball was a bit harsh, but I think the penalty should have stood, especially, like I say, after it being given, they don't tend to be overturned if it's not so obviously wrong. Um, and yeah, City maybe got away with one in that instance, Jim. I mean, what do you think about it? Yeah, uh, definite penalty. I was, I mean, I young Cook play football, strutty stuff, and then we got home after the game and, um, I had on had a little live stream on obviously I was about five minutes behind on my stream um, I think it was Clinton Morrison who was doing the game and he was saying Stonewall penalty I was going oh for God's sake so I was waiting for it to happen on my phone and, and then when I seen it I thought oh yeah it must be a penalty but by the time I'd seen it they were talking about VAR overturning it and I was, I was just baffled by by all of it um, it was a Stonewall penalty but then I was baffled why they give, why they give him a red card too because like you say, it's the double jeopardy, isn't it, where you're playing the ball. He's clearly gone to play the ball, but he's just completely missing cut off his man. And City have, have definitely got away with one. And I don't think a player like James Ward probably would have missed from the spot either. Well, we'll move on. A player that you wouldn't think he missed from the spot <laughs> is Mark Noble. He doesn't tend to miss. But we'll go straight into the next game, the Battle of the Uniteds. West Ham versus Manchester United. And it obviously finished 2-1 to United. Cook. I mean, we, we've seen him score last week against Newcastle. We saw him score for England in, in, in the national break and had a little mess up on Tuesday at Young Boys in Bern. But, um, you know, I'm sure that's been covered a lot since. But he scored today. I mean, written in the stars, came on as so Cook and, and his, his strike was brilliant. What did you think about it? Yeah, I mean, it was a great, a great goal for him. And it's just a shame it was for Man United and not West Ham United because I think <laughs> genuinely he will suffer from Ronaldo and Sancho being there. When Sancho hits a bit of form and he's in the team with some regularity, I think Lingard will be a plan C or even D in some cases for United. So I think short term, yeah, it's great. And he, he looks to be a, a good squad player for Man United. And that's all Man United see him as, a good squad player. And West Ham see yeah. him as a, a vital part of their machine. And the player that they opted to sign instead of him Nikola Vlasic had a decent game today himself. However, he's no Jesse Lingard and he proved to be the difference today for Man United. Like I said, it's just a shame it yeah. was for Man United and not West Ham. <laughs> well, yeah, he got he got a very warm welcome. Uh, played very well, obviously. Some of the Solskjaer has been slagged off for his substitutions, Matic and, and Lingard involved in that goal. But, I mean, that's everything that we, that we like football for, those moments where you think, surely not. And obviously Lingard gets subbed on and scores a goal against the team, like Cook said, wanted him in the summer and he, he did so well for at the end of last summer. Although they couldn't have wanted him that much because they weren't willing to pay what United wanted him for. I mean, but we'll go straight into the penalty instance. We've already spoken about cities. I mean, Ronaldo wanted three. He didn't get any. Um, I mean, personally, I think the Zuma one was a, a foul. Uh, I, I just don't understand how that can't be given as a penalty where Zuma went to ground, it was clumsy. 
maybe Ronaldo was going down, although since I've seen videos where Zuma's hand is on his back and then he starts to fall over. But I, I just think when a defender goes to ground like that, it's nowhere near the ball. Uh, I just don't. And, and the player that's trying to get past him gets taken out because he's gone to ground so clumsily. I don't see how it can't be a penalty. Uh, the first one with Kufal, I don't think it was a foul. You know, the one with the clashed knees kind of. But literally five minutes before that, Zuma got a foul on Pogba where Pogba tried to pull out and he gave a free kick for it in the middle of the pitch. So not not very consistent there from Martin Atkinson, who we know likes to make things about him. But And the second one was some cross and he threw himself on the floor and he was never going to get it. So that was never one. But I think maybe out of the three collectively, I think I might have expected one of them to happen. But we'll go straight to it. We've spoken about Ronaldo. Obviously, he scored again as well, which I'll say, you know, good for Cook's bet or, or Jones's bet, as we mentioned last week with Lukaku not scoring today. They're both equal on three now, I think. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I so. <laughs> well, the penalty yeah, that was given happened about two or three minutes after the Ronaldo gate, should we say. And uh, was it Yarmolenko tried to cross it? It hit Luke Shaw's hand, deemed to be in a natural position, which it probably was. It's one of them where, with the new laws that we know now, as soon as that happened, you go, he's going to turn to me, dad, and when he's going to give that. And give it, he did. And uh, Jim, Mark Noble came on for, for Jared Bowen <laughs> and... Uh, well, like you mentioned, they, they, they didn't seem to learn a lot from what happened to England in the Orals. Do you want to take it from here? I, I, I think this is the best moment of the Premier League season. I don't think it'd be tops, <laughs> I'll be honest. It's, it's so funny watching him come on. It's his last year. He's just... He just, he just wants to score because this is last year. It reminds me of when Aguero did that Penenka against whoever it was last uh, season. What, what do you mean, whoever it was? Up. What do you mean, whoever it was? Was it against... Oh, she was against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, we lost that was, game, didn't we? Oh. <laughs> um, oh, it was, it was so good. It was. I think it was like... It was a very boring game and then the last, what, five minutes was just mental, yeah. or the last ten minutes or so. Um yeah, you just knew it was missing. We was laughing at the TV, me and probably watching it, and then thinking he's going to miss because you just get flashbacks that you're a final, the player's not kicking a ball. Never mind kicking a ball this game. That's the first time he's kicked a ball all season. Oh, and I'd be wow. surprised to see him kick a ball in the next few weeks because how old is he now? Like 35 or something. He can't run. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> very funny. And I guess you could say maybe justice was kind of done. Um I don't know. I, I, I do think Ronaldo chucked himself into Zuma. Um, and I do, but mm. I am equally as surprised that he wasn't given. But I do still think he's felt, he, maybe he's felt a little touch on his back and he's jumped into it. And then Zuma was miles off um, with the slide. But I don't think Zuma's slide brings him down. I think, I think Ronaldo initiates the contact yeah. almost. And, yeah. and maybe then, maybe now, well, what, what we should expect to see going forward this season is. The fact that that wasn't given, and the fact that the Adam Armstrong one wasn't given at the Etihad, because there is a kind of case to be made of Adam Armstrong initiating the contract, although I don't agree with that. Mm. That maybe we can't see these soft penalties anymore, but I'm sure they won't be that consistent, and I'm sure we'll see some penalty yeah. next week. Um, and that and that is the frustrating part, and I think the frustrating frustrating part for United today was the fact that. West Ham go up the other end and get a penalty. <laughs> so he just he doubles it down, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that, that was it. It's the fact that, I mean, Kufal, like I say, normally I would never give that as a pen, but the fact he'd given a foul in the middle of the pitch for less contact than that, and then that, that happens and he doesn't give it. And then, like I say, the, the Zuma one for me, if that would have been, like with the Luke Shaw one, if that would have happened the other way around and I don't know, Varane brought Bowen down, I'd have turned to my dad and gone, they're going to give that, like almost certainly, like with the Luke Shaw one, they just seem to be given. He's gone to ground and just not got there, whether he was diving before, whether he was trying to anticipate the contact. The fact is he's got nowhere near him, gone to ground and legged him up or he's, he's stopped him from getting to the ball after he's gone past him. But like you say, ultimately it didn't matter. And, you know, one of the craziest five minutes already this season and, you know, just one normal day of Barclays, please, as Mr. Conte once said. And we'll be back in a minute with Bet of the Week. Welcome, listeners. It is time for the Bet of the Week. We're uh, gypped by a few goals this week, but we're back. There's some big games this week, and we can guarantee a banker this week, 100%. So we're going to start off with the half 12, or one of the half 12s, Chelsea, Man City. I'm going to go for both teams to score in that one. Then we're going to go straight to Old Trafford. We're going to go Man United to be Aston Villa to nil. Wow, big, I know. And then we're going to head over to Ellen Road, where I've got Leeds, West Ham, both teams to score. And then we're going straight to the King Power, and I've got Leicester to beat Burnley. So just to recap, Chelsea, Man City, both teams to score. Man United to beat Aston Villa at home to nil. I've got Leeds, West Ham, both teams to score and Leicester to beat Burnley at home. And lads, what can the listeners do with the information? They can shove it up the rackers. Hello and welcome back to That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles. And now it's time for our lovely little game segment. We're going to do three games. We're going to host one each. And this 11 of is a little bit impromptu, but um, a few of the things we said made me think. And I've gone back and looked at the stats and it is to do with David De Gea. So the last time David De Gea made a penalty save for United was in April 2016 which is a long time. As we know, obviously, he had that shocker in the Europa League final. I think he's conceded before today all of his 36 last penalties for United. So not doing very good, but, you know, one came eventually and like we've said, what a time to do it. So it was against Everton in the FA Cup semi-final in April 2016, as I've already said. Who missed the penalty, Cook? Arteta? I don't know. Well, it was the Lukaku. That's why I asked yeah. you specifically. You <laughs> so, God knows. <laughs> we're going to do the United 11. We've done opposition 11s before, but I'll do United, obviously. Both of you are neutrals. So, we know De Gea's in there, so there's 10 other players for you to go for. All the outfielders, Jim, go first, because Cook got it wrong. That was the flip of the coin. Ha. So, remind me of the year, buddy. 2015-2016 season, April 2016 it was, so, well, five, nearly five and a half years ago. Long time. LVG was manager, if that helps. That does help. I was actually going to ask you the manager, so I didn't think you'd tell me. But That'll help both of you. All right, we've, so... had, we've, had a, we've churned out a lot of players in the last seven or eight years, so I'll help you with that. LVG. You have, you have. This could be a lot of good players. I'm going to go over an LVG staple uh, when I think of his United team, so I'm going to go with... Um, Blind. Yes, Daily Blind started off at centre back. There we go. One for one. Cook. I'm going to go for 
Chris Smalling, or should I say Mike Smalling? Mike Smalling, lovely. Another LVG staple. And of course, they were together at centre-back in this United eleven. So back to Jim, we're two for two. Do can we, we keep can it we know going? the formation or are you going to tell us that like, as we go? Yeah, it's like a 4-1, 4-1, 4-3-3. Okay. So you've got um, the two. I'm just going to go with somebody who might have played a lot of games for United. Um, Ashley Young. Oh, no, he didn't. He didn't. Not this one. Not this one. Cook. Ooh. I'm going to say... You know what? I'm going to say Waza. Waza played, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, Rooney played. There are still actually four players, including De Gea. So, there's three players in this eleven that are still at United. So, Rooney, you've got you've got Smalling and Blind at centre-back. Jim? Oh, see, that's making things different now. He's still at United. <laughs> um, um, there's not many from LVG's era, we'll put it that way. No, but... Let's go with. Let's go with. I can't fucking know. Oh, he's, he's he's overthinking it. He's overthinking it. I'm overthinking. Right. I, you are. Did you, did you play? Who? Memphis. Memphis didn't play. No, didn't play. No. We'll keep going. We'll keep going till yeah. we've got him. We won't have any outs. Phil Jones. Phil Jones didn't play. Come on. This is it. We're getting a little bit different. I might have to start getting the clues out soon, but no, nah, we'll do one. Nah. So that's my that's my first L. Okay, okay. It's his first L. Once you both got both lives out, I'll get the uh, I'll get the clues out. Back to Jim. Yeah. All right. Okay. So just so I'll tell you, you've got right back, left back. You've got your defensive mid. You've got all of your front three, and you've got um, the bloke who played in in like the two attacking midfield positions with with Mister Rooney. Well, I thought Smalling for right back. That's what my thing was when I said. No, Smalling. he was at centre back. Smalling. And then Blin. I thought Jones in the middle with Blind. Oh, that's no. what I thought. Staple um, LPG pair in that Smalling Blind. Yeah. I'm just going to go just because you said they might be a start at United. Lingard. Lingard, yes. And one yeah. of the three that are still at United, he, he started on the right wing in this game. So right. there you go. You've got one of the front three cut back to you, and then I'll start getting the clues out. I was going to say Di Maria, but that makes me. Think different things now, he said Lingard. Ooh. So I'm going to say Bastian Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger wasn't there. Oh. No. So we're going we're to go to the clues unless Jim can Stan, start firing. I don't a few need more. a clue. I, I don't need a clue. I've got one. Okay, one go on. Matter. One matter. Oh no, he's actually, he's still at United, but he didn't play this game. No. <laughs> that was definitely going to be one. All right, dish him out. Right, okay. So, oh Jesus, where do I go with this? Um, right, I'm going to pick a player for you each, just just a random one, and I'll try and I'll try and describe them to you by like random things. So, this is a left back. Um, he went pretty viral on United Twitter for posting a picture of toast that was completely burnt for his <laughs> breakfast. Um, and Marcus Rojo, there we go. Yeah. I'll say that one. Hook up the next okay. one. No problem. So, right back, cut, which he went for before. Um, LVG classic, this one. Um, young player, recently had two ACL injuries, and now he's playing over in Bayer Leverkusen. Got very close with Damari Gray before he went back to Everton. Also had a loan at a Premier League club, but couldn't get over a certain Aaron Wambasaka, who obviously ended up at United. 
Mm. Double barrel name. Dutch. Uh, Timothy. Oh, Fosu Mensa. Fosu Mensa. There we go. Oh. See? I would have got that. I wouldn't go that. We've got the whole back five. I mean, the two of the players that these were LVG staples. They were the other. You've got Lingard, striker and left wing, or left wing and striker. They play either way. Still at United, LVG staples. What? So we're still missing a left wing and a striker. Still missing a left wing and a striker. Probably out of the two best players. Yeah, two best players in the LVG era. I would say two of. And you're forgetting both of them. Not that it was a very good era, but they're both still at United. Being stupid. One of them helped a lot of kids out during lockdown. Oh, Trashford. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. Oh, Marshall. The other other one scored 20-odd league goals and now probably hasn't scored a league goal in about 18. Marshall, yeah. There you go. Dark days then for United fans. (laughs) Two two other players in in midfield were uh, David Moyes' best mate. Fellaini. Yeah, and could have played with a glass of wine, the English glass of wine. Jordi, coach at United right now. Wish we had him right now. Carrick. Michael Carrick. So there we go. We struggled with that one, and I'm not surprised because we have churned quite a lot of players over. It's probably hard to tell from a non-United. Um, During your banter year. Which year banter players. Eras. So I'll go through the 11. We've come a decent way since, uh, despite you know some United fans not thinking we have, but I'll go through it. De Gea. Fosu Mensa, Smalling, Blind and Rojo, Carrick, Fellaini and Rooney, and then Lingard, Rashford and Martial. And that was the last time David De Gea saved a penalty for Manchester United before today. All right, listeners, welcome back to my segment of the game. This is like this is like flicking on Challenge, isn't it? The best TV show and just getting all the game shows. Um, this is my sequence slash link game that... Um, I may or may not have described very well the other week, so we're going to bring in our less autistic friend, Stan Rigby, <laughs> to um, describe how this game goes. Thank you. Yeah, so, like I said, Jim tried to explain it the other week, but some listeners didn't have a clue what was going on, and more importantly, my opponent, Cook, didn't have a clue what was going on, so it was quite an easy dub for me. Um, but what it is is... It's a link game. It's a find a link game. We've all been to a pub quiz. Everybody listening to this, if you're over the pond, I'm sorry you don't have pubs. You might have been to a bar quiz or something like that. But in those quizzes, there tends to be a question where they will say like, uh, Rick Astley, Dolly Parton, blah, 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 blah. And the answer is that they all had a number one in 1988 or something like that. Or there'll be loads of film, four or five films, and the answer will be that they were all directed by Steven Spielberg. So Jim's going to give us a few players, like the last one in, in the little pilot game that we did, which was going backwards. It was uh, Hugo Lurie, uh Philip Lam, was it? I can't remember. Keep going back. But they were all World Cup winning captains. So it's as simple as that. Jim's going to give us players, and there is a link between all these players. Do you understand a little bit more, Cup? Yep. Okay, and I hope you listeners do as well. But he's going to do two. So if you don't quite get it, listen to the first one, and then hopefully by the second one you'll be able to play as well. Back to you, Jim. Yeah. So obviously, the, after the first one, it's, first clue is going to be hard. But these are actually not players, but stadiums, and Ooh. it's a yearly thing. And we're going to go with most recent part of the link. And we're going to go backwards. So the first stadium on the sequence is. 
Old Trafford. Um, where the first game of the Premier League season was played. No, sir. No, no, no. Ooh. Any guesses? I have got one there. It's, it's, it's a stab in the dark. I mean, it could be literally anything at this point, but... Yeah. We'll unravel. After Old Trafford, we've got Stamford Bridge. Mm. Premier League winning grounds. Unfortunately, going backwards, it is an Old Trafford, but I wish it was. Um, what, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean where the Premier League was won? I didn't, but now I do. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Going backwards from when? Well, going backwards last season, um, United's lost Old Trafford to to Leicester, meant City won the league. Oh, shit. Um, The year before, um, (laughs) Chelsea. Who won the, uh, who won the City season? drew it. City drew, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's when the, the league was won. The year before that was um, 1819. I was going to say the Amex when City won at Brighton the last day. To be fair, before that's good. That that. Yeah, no, that was a good one because not only it doesn't necessarily mean that the team that won it was there. So. No, no. Yeah, they done well, though, Cup. Stab in the dark. There we go. I'd say I got so I just, I'll just go back a few, a few years to remind us what happened. 1718, uh, Old Trafford, Jay Rodriguez winning, scoring the I Minion mean, City, get the title. 1617, Chelsea winning the league at the Hawthorns. 1516, a great game at Stamford Bridge, meaning Spurs rather than running and Leicester win the famous title. And at Stamford Bridge, you get before with um, Conte's men. And, and then it goes a bit normal then because they've won at Bridge City win at the Etihad United win at Old Trafford and City win at the Etihad again against QPR Ooh. there we go so Cookie takes the points on that one we don't know the scoring but Cookie wins that one yeah okay last game of the Cookie Pod this week it's one for the OGs it is Who Am I it returns this week Jim and Stan are we ready for Who Am I and the first yes always ready always ready so usually on who am I like I said the OGs will know we usually start with a date of birth you know we usually go from hard to relatively easy towards the end so we'll go for number one I was born on the 14th of January 1986 making me 35 years old you're so kind when you do the maths (sighs) 35 years old for the listeners I'm Jamie Vardy It's not Jamie Vardy. Stands fancy a stab. Um, Vedran Charluca. <laughs> two very weird guesses, but okay. It's not Charluca, but we'll move on to number two. This will make it a little bit easier for you. I've been capped for France forty-eight times, scoring four goals. Oh, uh, Adil Rami. It's not, but I like where your mind's at. Um, Scott. Times. A goal every 12 games to be exact. Yeah. yeah, so it's I've been capped 48 times scoring four goals. Must be. If if that's the clue that you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be. It's obvious who it is. It's then, gotta be them. then it's it's got to be Sissoko. Oh, it's not. It isn't. We move on. He's not on 35, to, is he? He's not, he can't be. <laughs> Number three. This might help you or hinder you if you don't know your French football. 
I've won Liga three times, once with Lille and twice with Paris Saint-Germain. So I'll repeat that again. I've won Ligue 1 three times, once with Lille and twice with Paris Saint-Germain. What the fuck? So he's 35. Still playing as well. I'll give you that clue as well. Still playing. Lille. I'm guessing he won the title with Lille last season. I don't yeah, think Lille has won it. Lille I'll, give, won I'll give you another clue. It weren't last season. Oh, they it was when, when, when Joe Cole was there, Hazard. When Hazard was there, and Payet. Who knows? Must be. 35 years old. Jesus. Um, and has since won it twice with PSG. If they had. Oh. Who they had? Who Not Blaze. It's not Matuidi. Please, Matuidi. No. no, it's not oh. Matuidi. But again, I like where your mind's at. But I didn't think he was. Didn't play for Lille, I'm afraid. No, I didn't think he did. And there's one league more than twice for PSG. Oh, of course, yeah. No, I don't have a guess. Go on, next clue. Okay, clue number four. This is where I think the game gets opened up and buzzers need to be hands just over them. I've played for Newcastle and Crystal Palace. Goodbye. Johan Cabaye. Oh, clue number five. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Played for Saint Etienne and Al Nasser in Dubai, where I currently yeah. play. Johan Kebab. Johan Kebab was joking here once. Then. <laughs> so, yeah, there's number one. There we go. That was a good one, that. There you there go, you. lads. Do the research. I go the extra mile for you, boys. You do. You do. Okay. I, I hope that was uh, number five, by the way. Joe Kinnear called him Johan Kebab once. That was number five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who am I? Numero dos. I was born on the 9th of July, 1985, making me 36 years old. Oh, Jesus. So similar age, Jim. Um, two oldies, two vets. Oh, Fabio Quagliarella. It's not. Oh, Jamie Vardy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Oh. But you've hit the post a bit there, Jim. You've hit the post a bit there, Jim. And I'll tell you why. Ooh. Clue number two. I have 39 caps for England, scoring seven goals. 36. How many caps? 39 caps for England, scoring thir- seven goals. 36 years old, 39 caps, seven goals. And he's hit the post with Jamie Vardy. In terms of him being English. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing else. So I don't get anything from that then. Okay. Um, no, you, do. you do. That's why Jim's at the post. Jermaine Defoe. Oh, it's not. Oh, well, that's the right age. That's I'll the give right you a clue, age. But I'll give you a clue. He is still playing. As is Jermaine Defoe. Oh, this is going to be somebody still hanging around MLS that Cook knows, isn't it? Um, it may not be. But don't let your mind go there. 36, seven goals. Um, 39 caps, seven goals for England. And he's 36 years old. Um, Honestly, I'd skip next one. I can't even think of anybody that I could guess. Okay. Go on. My honours include Serie A, the Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup and the Europa League. Serie A and he's oh um, Joe Hart oh no wait he's got seven goals Belton oh. I'm going to have to take your first answer sorry Stan he's the only person <laughs> I could 
The yeah. other person I could think of was Mika Richards, but he's so, not still playing. So I'll read that back. It, like I said, in no particular order. My honours include Serie A, the Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup, and the Europa League. Oh, I know it fucking is. Well, Stan, you're not allowed to guess, so just hold your horses, buddy. It's my turn. Oh, no, I don't, actually. Oh. Serie A. Decorated oh. in his own right. Yes, there's not many that do that. There's not many English ones that do this. And there's me not thinking of him. I'm gonna have to rush you soon, Jim. Oh, I don't like it when you be when you like this. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, 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 the, it's the broadcasting company that rushing me. I know. <laughs> I know You've got is. the man in your ear. I actually have. I know. I don't is. know who it is. I'm gonna have, to have the next clue. I do. I'm okay. gonna have the next clue. Okay, clue number five, uh, number four even. My previous clubs include Watford, Aston Villa, Man United and Inter Milan. Ashley Young. Ashley Young. Clue number five was I I have rejoined Aston Villa this season. We saw him. I I actually think, isn't he the only English person to ever win Serie A? I swear that was what came from him winning it um, last season. I swear I saw that. And obviously we were at a cert- we were at the hoop, and uh, he came on for Villa the other night. So that was obviously on your mind, and fair enough. Ashley Young's always on my mind. That's <laughs> true. So <laughs> the the winners of Who Am I this week? Jim got one with Johan Kabai. And yeah, that was a bit of a tricky one. That a few f- chucked a bit of French footy at you there. And yeah. then number two, which Stan got right, was indeed Ashley Young. There we go. Yeah, it's that time on the podcast, the shittest part of the podcast, where we have to love you and leave you. But this is also the time of the podcast where we tell you where you can find us when we're not around. So you can get us on Instagram and Twitter using the handle at cookiepodcast1. That's at cookiepodcast, followed by the numerical one. You can also find us on YouTube. We use the Clips channel there. Just search in TCWTCC podcast on that. And if you want to find just the audio version, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just type in, that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's been episode 117, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. See you